most people I find have a very small opinion of what God wants to do through their life. That comes up a lot when I'm training people in evangelism is just that God wants to do way more through you than you realize. Well, welcome to the One Link Podcast. I'm excited as we continue our interviews and talking with people about evangelism. How do we go about telling people about Jesus better? And how do we go about training other people, specifically college students? How do we train them uh, to be able to share their faith better? And so I'm here today with Cody Bryan. Cody, welcome to the One Link Podcast. Hey, thanks, James. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited. This is round two. The last time my internet had problems, and so Cody was gracious to jump back on with me again. Cody's ministry is out in UC Santa Cruz. How long have y'all been going now? It's just a few years. Yes, two and a half years. Two and a half years. Yeah. So they're just getting started. I'm super excited. They're sending their first One Link team this year. Cody's uh, one of his partners in crime there, uh, went on a vision trip with me last year, jumped in, and they're able to send a team back to that Central Asia location. So I'm super excited about that. Cody, let's let's jump in. Just start by telling how did you how did you come to faith? And then we'll go into how did you how'd you learn to start sharing your faith? Yeah, so I had grown up uh, with parents who really affirm in their faith. I was really blessed to grow up in a great, healthy family. And despite that, and growing up in a, in a good, healthy, gospel-believing church, I really learned to smile a lot and answer just enough questions to keep more questions from being asked. So people tried to be intentional with me uh, and my parents and, and people at church, but I really held people uh, at arm's length away from myself. And that resulted, not surprisingly, in a very unhappy life. So by the end of high school, I was very unhappy and I wanted to try to fix myself. And people, I'd seen people go on mission trips before and they always seemed to come back better people. So my idea was, why don't I go on a missions trip and maybe it'll fix me. Mm. And so I did that. I went on a, a two month trip to Egypt. Wow. And it was a very difficult a trip. I'll spare a lot of the nitty gritty details, but I had a very hard time on that trip. I felt very alone, which was kind of the opposite of what I was wanting out of the trip. But of course, God and his sovereignty knew exactly what I needed was not necessarily what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And so because of that isolation that I'd felt, I didn't have the distraction that I'd had back home. I didn't have the people to try to kind of use as an emotional crutch. And I essentially turned to God out of desperation on that trip. And to my great surprise, he was there when I leaned on him Mm -hmm. and he helped me in such a tangible way in, in my thought life and in my heart and my emotions. And it was the first time I ever had the thought, Oh, God's like real, real. He's Mm -hmm. not just a, a nice idea and kind of a way to hedge my bet of trying to get to heaven when I die. But he, he actually wants to be involved in my time now. So once that, I'd say like that light switch got flipped on for me, everything changed. I had a lot of conviction about how I'd been living my life, both in like doing things I knew I God wouldn't want me to, as well as not doing things I knew God would want me to have in my life. How I treated people, my values, a lot of things um, kind of 
obviously needed to change, but I was kind of embarrassed to tell people that I thought maybe I had just become a Christian for the first time in my senior year of high school when I'd been going to church my whole life. So I don't remember. I don't think I really told people exactly that. I just said I grew a lot in my relationship with God that summer. And then the summer before my freshman year of college, Paul Wooster moved to Chico. This is all at, um, actually, I grew up in Chico, and then I ended up going to Chico State. Paul Wooster moved to Chico to start a ministry called Christian Challenge there. And he started discipling me that summer before my mm-hmm. freshman year. And, and did y'all go to church together, or how did you get connected to him? Yes. Oh, well, that's kind of a funny story. He actually was married to the daughter of the pastor of the church mm. that I grew up going to. So I had okay. known him. He came out and did some work with our youth group while I was in high school. So I had known him to some degree, not super, super close, but uh, that's part of why I stayed in Chico to go to schools. So I knew he was coming there to start a college ministry. And I was like, well, it just kind of makes sense. I'm just going to get plugged in. But I didn't really realize how much of a change that would have on my life because Paul is definitely very gifted in in evangelism. It's very Mm -hmm. pertinent to what we're talking about today. And that was the furthest thing from what I wanted to be doing with my life. Like I said, I had a lot of conviction about things I should be doing, but it was much more personal, like reading the Bible in prayer and and things like that. And I really didn't have a want to go tell other people about my faith. I was terrified of that idea. And so that's, that's like kind of my testimony when I came to Christ leading up to, to when I started college and doing college ministry as a student. Gotcha. So how did you learn? You, you weren't wanting to share your testimony. That wasn't the, the thing you wanted to share about Jesus. How did how'd Paul go about training you? How did that come about? Yeah, so Paul started talking to me, just showing me in the Bible where it talks about how God wants us to share faith with others. Which is pretty unavoidable when you when you read the Bible. It's it's right there. So mm-hmm. I couldn't argue with him there. I I likely tried to. I was a bit argumentative, but it's pretty hard to argue with. But more than that, he talked about it in our meetings, and then he did it with his life, and then he brought me along with him as he was just naturally doing that in his everyday life. So we would go out together and share the gospel with people on campus cold turkey like as like a we like play in a time to go do that he would set up meetings with students that we would be meeting at you know challenge events to sit down with them in a one-on-one share the gospel we call them gospel appointments mm-hmm. and he would invite me to come along and do those with him and then when we were like standing in line at the movie theater <laughs> to go watch a movie he would turn to the person next to us and start like strike up a spiritual conversation and share the gospel with them. So it was just like, it was just constant. Always. It was, it really was a way of life for him. Mm-hmm. And so that combined with both showing me the how and explaining to me the how, as well as giving me a clear biblical understanding of the why was the thing that I was unavoidable for me. I, I knew it wasn't something I could dodge. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so yeah. and I started slowly having my heart warmed toward the idea. Yeah. I think I'm slowly coming to the conclusion that if you have have not only, I feel like most people like, even when we disciple somebody, we spend a lot more time explaining the why, which is important, but we don't, and we, and we explain the how, but we don't ever show them the how, but that until you've actually shown them the how, 
and done it with them. Like you, you haven't, you haven't fully made a disciple until that's a part of it. Yeah. So how, how long did it take you then to grow until you felt like, like this was a part of your life too? That's a really good question. I remember my freshman year, probably the first 10 to 15 people I shared the gospel with all said no. Like none of them, none of them committed a life to Christ, indicated decisions for, for Jesus. And I, uh, that was hard. And so I was telling Paul, maybe I'm just not cut out for this. You know, like this is kind of my own, I tried to find it out. I there. tried it. Yeah. And he was like, no, that's not it. Because like, there's no exception to what the Bible says, you know, like, mm. like you're not the exception. Like God still wants you sharing your faith with others. And so he, what he said was, if anything, this is probably the enemy trying to, to discourage you from sharing your faith right at the get go so that you'll stop now and not continue. And so he said, you need to do, do what God tells you to do and trust God with the results. And so, and then can I, can I ask yeah. this real quick? Those 15 people, were these friends? Were these cold turkey? It was a variety. Good question. Yeah, it was a variety. I shared the gospel with a study group that I helped organize. And oh, that was a. I got destroyed <laughs> in that. I got really destroyed, um, picked apart. I didn't have a lot of, you know, a very deep bi uh, biblical or theological knowledge. And mm -hmm. uh, some of the people in the group did, I found out mm. the hard way. So that was hard. It, some of it was cold turkey. Some of it was like gospel appointments from people I met at Challenge. So all, all of the variety. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the question I want to ask is, did you lose, did you lose any friends over that? Nope. Yeah, I think that's one of our big fears is like, oh, if I share, I'm like, have this sort of relationship. If I share, like, it'll ruin the friendship. Yeah. No, even the 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 person who tore me apart at that, uh, from my study group, I actually remained really good friends with them for the rest of the time that we were in college together. So, yeah, it was, it really had, if anything, I think we probably connected more after that point. Mm-hmm because we had had some like legitimately deeper conversation with one another and it wasn't just surface level like it had been previously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a great point. So then, so yeah, so you're shared 15 times Oh, for 15, then what? I mean, slowly people started having more positive responses in those meetings and I started having opportunities to follow up with, uh, with other students and have follow-up meetings. And that was super encouraging. I found out that I really loved that part and that really helped reaffirm my desire and, and my motives and starting to see some fruit is very encouraging to keep to keep going for sure and i think i don't i can't say there was like a definitive moment where it became a, a part of what i did maybe because i still feel like it's a it's a really conscious choice mm. you know that was 15 ish years ago Mm -hmm. around there around 15 years ago and i've been sharing the gospel with people ever since then and it still feels like a very conscious choice i have to choose each day to really decide to be intentional in my conversations and in my relationships it's it feels more like a discipline for me than one that if i go slack-handed that i'll lose it just as quickly as I had picked it up. Mm -hmm. And so it, it became a part of my life just through consistency. Let's see. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like several people have described it as a muscle to me recently. And yes. I feel like it's a it's a little bit like running. Like most people that run, there's a few like really oddballs that like just love to run and they get this this thrill from running. But most people, if they're running, it's because it's a conscious choice that they think this is healthy for them and they're going to go sweat and and hurt and breathe heavy and all this stuff. And maybe the same could be true of evangelism. Like we're all called to to run the race, to to share their faith. And there's a few people that just have a have a, maybe a natural gift of evangelism. They just enjoy awkward conversations. Right? Yeah. They're not afraid to jump into them. <laughs> You know, but it, but again, all of us, all of us moving forward in that. So when let's fast forward a little bit. So you you were at Chico as a student, then you went on staff there, continued yeah. to grow in that. I assume. Talk to me a little bit about how you went about launching a brand new campus ministry, because I assume a lot of that involved evangelism. And then talk to us, you know, your preferred methods and how you go about training your students now in doing that. Yeah, so when I uh, was sent out from Chico to plant uh, college ministry at UC Santa Cruz, we it was myself and I had two full-time staff members that came with me from Chico, uh, Alex and Ryan. And I will never forget our first day on campus. We didn't have a single student to start the group with. So it was just us three, none of us from, from Santa Cruz. We'd only been on the campus a few times, like tour it and kind of get shown around. And day one, we show up on campus. The first day students are there the that fall of 21 and it's like moving week. Uh, you know, if you're in the college ministry world, you know what that's like. We just meet up at my house, carpool over to campus together, park, and we get out of the car. And it was hilarious because we all looked at each other when we got out of the car. And I forget that moment because... I'm assuming they felt the same thing I did, which is, I guess this is how you start a college ministry. (laughs) This is, this feels really anti-clark. Like we couldn't get a tabling permit. uh, We couldn't like do anything in any official capacity. So we all got out of the car, prayed, and just started wandering around campus meeting students. That was our brilliant evangelistic method to start the college ministry. We figured you can't share the gospel with people you don't know. So let's go meet some people. So we walked around and started meeting people. We had organized some events to do over the next few nights. So as we met mm, people, invite people we could to invite it. them to some fun events to hopefully give us more relational opportunities to connect. And that really is essentially how we started for two weeks or so. We just walked around campus every single day trying to meet meet people. We would use like surveys, just really simple surveys that like asked really brief vague questions like on a scale of one to 10, how important is your spiritual life to you? And out of these lists of words, which best describes what you hope to attain at college, like success, friendships, fun, like a few other words like that. And then we do the survey with them, give them a brief explanation of our ministry. We didn't call it ministry to them, but you know, our, our club and invite them to an event. And hopefully, so for some of them, the questions on the survey would spark some amount of a spiritual conversation in the moment. That wasn't our chief end. It was more just meeting people at that point. Um, so it's a very low kind of threshold for people to enter <laughs> into like a, a connection with us. We wanted to give people the opportunity. So they know a little bit that you're dealing with spiritual things, yes. but you're really not diving into anything deep at that moment. 
Yeah, unless I mean, you know, God yeah, I mean, yeah. this opportunity <laughs> that we're open to it, and, yeah, and some, right. some of the time for sure we'd have some great conversations. But by and large, it was brief, quick explanation of what's happening, and that was how we started. From there, sharing the gospel, and I'll just walk through what what that looks like, and it's it's continued from then on through. Now we just wrapped up we're on the quarter system so we just finished our winter outreach for the winter quarter and most people we meet answer the gospel with it goes like this we'll meet them while we're tabling or doing surveys on campus again it's a similar idea where we're mostly just trying to make an initial contact with somebody get their like phone number and on the like little sheet it'll have a checkbox that says i'm interested in getting more info we explain if you check that we can text you invite you to events so from there we're texting a ton of people to invite them to the events we do we throw a ton of events just to try to make connections. can i ask this because i'm i'm a yeah. gen xer i'm on the tail end of the gen xer i hate texting did, were you like doing it all on your phone or did you get some app where you could like that's an ongoing struggle so we we've are constantly bouncing to different apps because they seem to work for a while and like for a couple of years and then they stop working and we try to find a new one. So that is a constant difficulty that we run into is we text about 2000 people usually to invite them to things. Mm -hmm. And the ratios go, we text 2000 from there. We have probably about a hundred ish who are, regularly coming to events not at one event we don't have any one event that's a hundred but about a hundred people that are shuffling in and out of events we've got a and then from there we've got about 40 to 50 coming to like our large group meeting on a weekly basis mm -hmm. and we're sharing the gospel uh, we're only a couple years in at this point but with about 60 to 70 people through gospel appointments mm -hmm each year mm -hmm. so that's kind of what the ratio breakdown is it's a lot of contacts it's a lot of contacts. some people to to come to events and for us to meet them and then out of those me, yeah then you get some yeah let me tell you a cool story so there's a friend of mine from new mexico went on his first uh one link trip a couple of years ago and so i was asking him how he something came up where i realized like he came to faith in college and so i was like hey how you know tell me about that uh, so another friend of mine who's the campus minister out there meets meets Jake, texts him every week for three years <laughs> with almost no response. And then, you know, finally, I think it was maybe, I think it was maybe in COVID, you know, Jake, is it a low? Gets a, gets a text from Jonathan and it's like, yeah, I think I'll go. So <laughs> my nice. encouragement, keep those texts going and uh Yeah. Jake's been on two one link trips now and maybe he's considering a longer term service. So it definitely pays off, but I know it can feel like, ah, so, so jump back in the story after I've told my story. You okay. Yeah. No, you're text, good. You text 50 million people. Yeah. Uh, you get a few back, <laughs> you invite them to an event. Then where so they come to an that? event and from there we our staff and oh, our student leadership team, we call it core team. We are all, our goal that we talk to each other about is every student who comes to anything we do will have the opportunity to hear the gospel in like a one-on-one -on -one sit down conversation. And so we all have that on our minds, but we'll pray for it before each event that we throw. We try to, sometimes mm -hmm. we forget, you know, we're not perfect. Right. That's, that's where <laughs> we're shooting to be that. And we 
are all, you know, our eyes are really on high, on high alert at the event, looking for new people and to go talk to them, to be welcoming to them, but also to have a intentional conversation where we'll, I can ex like just explain briefly what that looks like generally. And this is how I would train a student to do it. I'd say straight up conversation, just make small talk briefly, you know, if you want, but a really great question is to ask, like, Oh, how did you hear about this event? And have you ever been to another Christian challenge event? I always like to try to mention that the name of our club is Christian challenge. Cause some students got invited by their friend, or the roommate, they have no idea they're even at a Christian groups club. Mm. So I don't try to set up a, meeting with them until after I know they know it's they're at a, <laughs> a event. club event. Mm -hmm. uh, that was a, that's a uh, lesson I learned from not doing that. So not done that since. So I'll often ask brief spiritual question, like, where'd you grow up? And then like, Oh, did you grow up going to church or anything like that? And then kind of no matter what they say in response to that question, I'll say, Oh, that's interesting. You, you you can choose to find interest in anything anyone says. So yeah. choose to find interest in whatever they say. And then I'll say, hey, would you like to meet up to grab coffee or lunch sometime in the next couple of days? I'd love to hear more about your story. Like, And then I could tell you more of what our club is about. And so they know that it's like two things are going to happen at that meeting. We'll have the opportunity to get to know each other better. And I'm going to be giving them more information of like what our club is about. Mm -hmm. And what, what percent say yes? To you or your staff? I'd say about like 50 to 70% mm -hmm. say yeah. yes to a meeting. Mm -hmm. I find that a higher percentage say yes to students. Yeah, mm -hmm. that makes sense. And so I, and I love telling students that because they are better at reaching other college students than I am. Yes. So I tell them like, yeah, you are better at this. Like you... <laughs> <laughs> Even if you've only been sharing the gospel with people for like a week, like you yeah. are in a better position to share the gospel with your your fellow students mm -hmm. than I am. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I I find that students is more like in the 70% range say yes. And for me, it's probably more like 50. Mm -hmm. So then we go sit down with them. I, I generally try to work through three things, like their story, my story, God's story. Mm-hmm. Just because it helps, it's an easy conversation like framework to try mm -hmm. to work through, so I don't get too like tripped up. And I know that I want to spend the most time at the meeting on God's story, mm -hmm. so that helps me kind of pace the start of the meeting through before I get to where I'm actually sharing the gospel with them. Mm -hmm. I use a gospel presentation like a like a it's almost like a Bible study worksheet mm -hmm. that we, we have on our website. Like anybody can go take it and use it. What's your website? And I'll put a link to it in the show notes challengeucsc.com okay sweet and yeah uh, yeah and the resources you can find like discipleship lessons including that gospel appointment sheet and so that process is exactly like what i do every time and it's what i train students to do and what i bring students on with me and that gets the training students part is when i i'm meeting with several students right now that i'm working on training to share the gospel with other people and what i've told them is hey why don't you just like stick by my hip at this event? We'll try to have a conversation with a new person, set up a gospel button with them. And then all of us can go do that together. And then that first one, you don't really need to like share a ton. Maybe, you know, you could share this illustration or like, I'll ask you what your testimony is at the beginning. But then you can mostly just kind of like watch and listen for the first time. And then like the next time you could, you could actually do more of the sharing 
and I could do more of the listening. Mm-hmm. So the really kind of bring them along with me is really how we want to. One of our, our mottos uh, that we try to do is never share the gospel alone. Mm. So we really are trying our very best to bring a student with us. And we tell the students that as well, like for you, like try to never share the gospel alone, bring somebody that you're discipling along with you when you share the gospel with someone else. Mm-hmm. That's good. I know there's some angst with that sometimes, especially if you don't feel like you're very good yet. Like, oh man, like it's one thing if I screw up all by myself, it's quite another if I screw up in front of you. How do you coach students through that? I try to really talk a lot about trusting God, you know? Mm. It's like, I was just talking to a student about this last night, different context. It wasn't about evangelism, but just the general idea of like, you know, Moses' conversation with God. Uh, and I don't have the scripture memorized. I just always think of, I think of what God says to Moses as like, who do you think gives you the words to speak anyway? Like what, like, what is your perspective coming into this? And, and I've been challenged a number of times on my own perspective and sharing the gospel with people on like, who do I think is saving this person anyways? Mm-hmm. Is it me? I'm not saving them. I'm just trying to be as clear as possible with who God is, what I'm sharing with them. And it's the same thing I tell students, like you, a lot of what you need to do, is just kind of be a witness to who God is and get out of the way. So that's all you're really doing. You're, you're, you're not trying to argue with them. You know, you're not trying to, convince them you're you're just sharing so i really try to communicate it in a way that is lowering the pressure on us but emphasizing the responsibility LD. yeah because they're both there you know i want to be responsible for what i'm responsible for and i really need to trust god with what he says that he is responsible for that's really good what about so you're training them you have a sheet and you just bring the sheet to the appointment and and somewhere in there, you know, you're, when you're explaining what your club's about, you know, we're, we're seeking not just to have fun, but also to you know, grow closer to God or learn about God or have you want to explain it. And then ask their story, share your own story, and then go through this worksheet with them. Is that right? Yeah. Which is pretty, pretty reproducible. How I have a, I have a pushback on that just to see how you say it. But how many times do you feel like you have to do that with a student before they're pretty comfortable doing it themselves? Oh, that's a good question. I I think it varies very uh, distinctly from student to student. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've had students after one time, like join me with one, one meeting. I've had students, you know, do it on their own before I ever even did one with them. Like they set up a gospel appointment with somebody and was like, okay, Cody, I set up a time to meet with somebody. <laughs> show me how to do that. So I'll meet up with them like right before or, their meeting uh-huh. to walk through how to share the gospel with somebody. And then they'll do the meeting. And then I've had other people who, yeah, f- probably four is the most. Mm-hmm. So if, if I've, if someone's come along with me four times and they still don't feel comfortable sharing the gospel with somebody in my mind, it's really, it's a faith issue at that point. It's not a skill or informational problem. It's a issue of their trust in, in God to work through them. Maybe they just, and I, most people I find have a very small opinion of what God wants to do through their life. So I talk, that comes up a lot when I'm training people in evangelism 
is just that God wants to do way more through you than you realize. And look at the way he uses people in the Bible and how messed up so many of them were and how ill-equipped so many of them were. And you see a lot of their self-consciousness, you know, their insecurities constantly. Like the Bible is full of people who are very insecure and God used them in big ways. And so I, I, I spent a fair amount of time just in my brain. What I'm doing is trying to convince students <laughs> that <laughs> God wants to use them in amazing ways. And it's a blessing to be used by God. Here's my pushback. I'd like you to respond to. Yes. Um, so you have a paper that you go through. Maybe it's a question slash pushback. What happens when you're out with your buddy and a spiritual conversation comes up and you don't have the paper? Like you, even you personally, do you just kind of have, like, I know it enough in my head, I can draw it out on a napkin or what, what did you respond to someone who's like, who would push back that way? So part of the paper is the bridge illustration. Okay. So I tell people when I'm, when I'm training them to use that, those sheets that I will typically use at a gospel appointment, I say, the great thing about this is you get good at this. You, you don't really need it always because it's also like this part of it. Like I remember when I was in college, I worked at old Navy and I took a break at the same time as the loss prevention agent. It's a security guard, basically in the retail world. And I uh, struck up a conversation with him. It went spiritual. I shared the gospel with him. Like what you just said, like I, I think it was on a napkin. Yeah. I think it was actually on a napkin or a piece of scrap paper. I just drew out the bridge illustration um, in, in sharing my faith. And so, that's what I will often tell people when I'm showing them the gospel appointment. I say the great thing is that just this part of alone is such a clear way to explain the work of Christ to somebody. And you could draw this out in the dirt with a stick if you wanted to. It's excellent. Are there any other, I don't know what the right word to use is, any other fine-tuned parts of the gospel appointment that like, somebody should know in order to have them better or are there any certain yeah fine points you train them in or nuances nuances is the word i want one i really try to uh, stick to is to not bait and switch mm. mm -hmm. don't make it sound like you're just hanging out and then be like i also brought this along like let's go through this together i really try to set up the meeting in the context of at least a simple spiritual conversation with the person. Like I was saying, even as simple as like, did you grow up going to church or anything like that? Like I don't need to dig into a, a really deep, deep spiritual topic with them, but I like to set up in that way because I really don't want them to show up thinking, Oh, we're just getting lunch and talking about football. Mm -hmm. I want them to have an idea of what our topic of conversation is going to be. Yeah. That's a big one to me. Do you have any in mind? Uh, no, I don't. That's a okay. good thing on the bait and switch, though. One time I, I took a girl out on what I thought was a date, and she thought we were just having a meal, and that was, you know, that was awkward. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, setting that up is is uh, is really key. And uh, I think it's just so, let me ask you this. I think it's so valuable, like, just being in the conversation with people or having spiritual conversations. I believe everybody, everybody has spiritual conversations but too often I'm not a part of them or they mm. haven't decided to include me in that conversation. And so I think in everything in my life, I would like to increase the number of people who 
invite me into a spiritual conversation, or if I invite them in, they say yes. California, the Wild West, this <laughs> heathenistic, atheistic pushback, yeah. everything you've ever heard bad about anything from any Christian person, and there you are out in the middle of it. How do you feel like these wild, crazy Californians respond to the gospel? Has a great question. And actually, I thought of another nuance that it has to do uh, with this question also. So first, the heathenistic West. Yes. Everybody in college is reevaluating what they grew up being taught. Mm. Everybody. Last school year, we had a gal come to challenge. I had I'd spoken after uh, the message she came up and she was talking to me about it and talking about these takeaways and how like she thought this part was really like meaningful and it was fairly like in depth and i was like oh like that's super cool i said did you grow up going to church or anything like that and she said oh no no my parents are adamant atheists and i was raised to be an atheist but i recently started really uh reevaluating what my parents taught me about god mm. And I thought her wording was hilarious because that is what everybody talks about individuals who were raised Christian, mm -hmm. what they say yeah. when they go to college. And here it was my perfect example. Everyone's doing that. Mm -hmm. Everyone, even like an atheist is saying, I'm reevaluating what my parents taught me about God, meaning she was more intentionally considering the idea that God is real. And I, I love that so much. Yeah. What I've found to be true, no matter where I am in the world, <laughs> is that when you share the gospel, people respond. And when you don't share the gospel, you won't see people respond. So if we want to see people respond to the gospel, we need to be sharing it. It's almost like Romans 10, 13 through 15 is in the Bible. Almost. <laughs> you know, like yeah. how can they hear without somebody Someone's sharing? Yeah, without someone preaching them, it doesn't. It doesn't happen. They won't hear it if no one's mm -hmm. preaching them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. uh, I think that yeah, maybe the the numbers results of what you see might vary from state to state, country to country. Like, I'm sure, absolutely. But if you want to guarantee no one will respond to the gospel, there's a very easy way to do that. It's never share with them. The nuance that I was thinking of that relates directly to this is. For a lot of people, the hardest part is setting up the gospel appointment. That's the most mm -hmm. nerve wracking thing. And like what you were saying is, I would love to just be involved in more spiritual conversations with people. And we are so afraid of having spiritual conversations with people. I really think we need to break down what it is that we're afraid of. I think we let the fear remain very ambiguous. And if we were to actually like name it and identify it, we would see that it is worthless. It's not worth being afraid of. And I say this to myself, like I, <laughs> I have a problem right. with this. I find myself terrified of 18 year olds of having a serious conversation with them, which is silly. Like it, it really is silly. Not because there's something wrong with 18 year olds, just because why, why am I afraid of having a spiritual conversation with an 18 year old? Like it, it doesn't make any sense. And this hilarious story of something that happens, uh, my son, when he was, four he was we were out in our in our neighborhood and he was there's a whole bunch of the kids out and they were playing and there was a new kid i had never seen uh, who was playing and his his dad was out there and they're hitting each other with nerf swords you know just like just smacking each other with these things and this other four-year-old in the middle of it says to my son hey do you go to church 
<laughs> and my son, his name's Calvin. He goes, yeah, I do. Do you go to church? And the kid says, nope. And whack. And whacks my son. <laughs> and I was just like, what just happened? <laughs> this four-year-old just initiated a, a spiritual conversation, conversation with my son. And the, the kid didn't go to church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it made sense to him. It wasn't weird to him. He wasn't afraid of asking the question. Of course, like four years aren't afraid of asking anything. anything but right. the very fact that it was for some reason on his mind mm-hmm. to ask my son if he goes to church, it was just a normal question to ask somebody. In the middle of a sword fight. Fell out. Like, that's a, not a weird question to ask somebody. <laughs> mm-hmm. Four-year-olds who don't go to church ask people this apparently. Yeah. But we... We, we sack ourselves out. What might somebody think about us? It's like, is it a part of your life? I, I ask people questions about things that are part. I like to play pickleball. Mm. I ask other people mm-hmm. to play pickleball. I don't like, like freak myself out about what if they'd have never played pickleball, pickleball. before, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So what? <laughs> yeah. Maybe I can invite them to go play with me. Their life will probably be better for it. So. Yeah. You know what's crazy, Cody? So I'm a hobby. hobby. I will have a little side hustle beekeeping business. And I invite all kinds of people to, to come work bees with me like all the time. And I had this conviction probably like a year ago. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm just not going to invite people to come work bees with me until I've had it. Or unless I, like, I'm also going to talk about God with them. Cause like nobody's going to, not nobody, there's people that actually are interested in that too. But you know, like of the two invitations, would you like to come hang out with some stinging insects? Or would you like to talk about some spiritual things in your life? You know what I mean? Like, why am I so much more willing to ask this one question that I know they're going to say no to, and they're going to think I'm a little weird, but why is it that I'm hesitant to ask this question that they may say no to, and they may also think I'm weird? Like, what's yeah. what's the difference, you know? <laughs> that is so good, James. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes I'm a better evangelist for the sports I enjoy than I am for the God that I follow. Mm-hmm. This is wild. Actually, it was recently during a quiet time, I was very convicted by this very idea. And the question that stuck on my mind, I'm not saying it's at you. I, I often phrase <laughs> questions in the you yes, terminology, okay. but the, the, the question that struck my mind was, do you love Jesus enough? And you really ended up kind of like rephrasing into like, you need to love Jesus more. I was reflecting on this because I talk to people about what I love. Mm. I do it all of the time. Mm-hmm. I love the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> Huge 49ers fan. Watch every game, follow them in the offseason. I am emotionally invested in the San Francisco 49ers. I, they are just beneath my immediate thoughts most of the time. <laughs> and so what happens is in any conversation I'm having with anybody, I will find connection opportunities to bridge the conversation into talking about the 49ers because they are just below my conscious thoughts always. Like, what if God was just below my conscious thoughts always, but in my everyday conversation, I'm constantly seeing connection points between what we're talking about and my Lord and Savior who could save this person. Yeah. Like that, that is something I like I pray for and I strive for. Is that like, I want to love Jesus more so he is more consciously on my thoughts so that I can just be naturally bringing him up in conversation in my everyday life. 
I agree. And when we lack the naturalness, then we have to go to the intentionality. Yes. And there's a few people out there. I, I observe this is a little bit stereotypical, but I've just seen a lot of African-American people who I feel like just talk about spiritual things in maybe the most natural way. Mm. Like if I was going to take a people group in America, they're one of the most natural people group to just talk about spiritual things, which is great. And sometimes it's not as natural for me. And so if it's if it's not natural, I'd like it to be there. I'd like to emulate them. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not, then I have to be intentional. Yeah. Yeah, that's that that's the yeah, that's the discipline part. And I think the discipline part idea yeah, just it can't be overstated how important it is because one, if it's not gonna come up naturally, it should still come up. Mm-hmm. If it's something I care about and I want to be obedient about. And even if it I have developed a tendency to see the connections and opportunities, I still have to have the discipline to act on them in the moment and not let my fear paralyze me yeah that's so true i've thought of this book twice during our conversation bo crescetto uh-huh. uh, wrote a wrote a book called beyond awkward mm-hmm. and i appreciated him at a conference once he was you know th- one of the main speakers and what he shared about is this time he didn't he didn't take action on what well, it was this like clear opening to share the gospel but i'll put that in the show notes too that's a great I actually haven't read it yet, but I really appreciated his talk on it. It's on my list. I think maybe it was temporarily unavailable when I last looked. Anyway, really appreciate your time with us. I appreciate the work that you guys are doing out there. I appreciate that you're sending the team. So excited about about them and uh, getting to getting to go and share the gospel on the other side of the world. And one yep. of the cool things uh, that I will just tell our listeners, when your buddy went with me, he said, and we're like evaluating potential partners. Who would, who would our campus ministry partner well with? He said, you know, the lady over there, she does a lot of things. She sets up these fun events, fun things, and then she invites people essentially to gospel appointments. She didn't use those words, but he's like, that's going to tie in really well. And I hope that does. I hope they just see some some amazing results and lots of opportunities to share. Yeah, I'm really excited for them. It's a huge answer to prayer. We've been, we've been praying that God would use us to send short-term teams and Lord willing, you know, long-term workers mm-hmm. since before we even got to Santa Cruz, that's been a prayer request that God would, would use us in, in that way. So this is kind of the first, the first step of, 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 you know, Lord willing, seeing some of those, the bigger, longer term prayers get answered as well. Yeah, that is, that is awesome. Appreciate you so much, listeners. Until next time, we'll catch you on the One Link podcast. I hope you're finding these encouraging and I hope it's helping you have opportunities to share your faith or train those that you're discipling to share their faith. We'll see you later.